2: Hello everyone and welcome to the Derby edition of the AI Premier League Preview Show. With the small matter of a mouth-watering Champions League tie in Paris and the Merseyside Derby to contend with all within the space of five days, Klopp's side faced a tough start to a potentially season-defining month. Just how will the Reds cope? Joining me to discuss this weekend's game, I'm delighted to welcome on managing editor of Statsbomb, Mike Goodman, and AI regular and host of the Face-Off pod, Kaylon Karim. Welcome guys. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, good to speak with you, Mike. Pleasure to have you on. Um, I-, I was saying before the pod, just sometimes find it a little bit tough to get Everton fans on on the show for the Derby edition. Although, actually, I'm not sure whether it's just me from the outside in, but um, this one intrigued me more than most, I-, I have to say, especially more than the Allardyce Derbies last season. Uh, well, The Allardyce Derby was a <sighs> real spectacle, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. In fact, let's... Uh, Let's start on that horrible note for yourself. Um, uh, just, I want to get your general thoughts on on how last season ended up. I mean, just to, as a way of a revision, I mean, finished in eighth um, at the end of the season. But I mean, there's so much to talk about in terms of you know who, who you started with this, the season with in the managerial position, um, who were the temporary position, then of course ending it with Allardyce and. The money that was spent and the the ambition that was shown perhaps misplaced um, things like that um j- just what are your overall thoughts on on last season um how it ended and then of course this yeah break. it
0: was it was bad last season was <laughs> yeah. bad there's 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 no real way around it um, I think working working a little bit backwards maybe um if you're at the point where you have to hire Sam Allardyce, that means you're at the point where you are making a managerial decision based on. Making sure you don't get relegated.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, look, like Allardyce is one of a number of managers. We we all we all know what the deal is, right? They they look at their job. They conceive of their job as if I keep this team from getting relegated, I have succeeded. Well, I think you know that's a justifiable decision for Everton to make, given how the first half of the first half-ish of their season went. Um, but once you're in that point, there's there's no like there's no good outcome there, right? there's no there's no way to end that process that makes you feel good about what happened when you have sort of the amount of talent that the team did and the the amount of resources that the team did which like is not a huge amount of resources but it's certainly better than you know relegation threatened level so once you reach that point even if Allardyce comes in and is in rel- and is relatively successful and plus right they they finished the season in the top half of the table um They were not meaningfully threatened with relegation in any real way. Like Allardyce came in and did the job that was asked and required of him. The problem is is that the team was such a mess that they felt they needed to bring him in to do that job. And that's what made last season so bad and so sort of painful.
2: Yeah, of course. I think Allardyce's reputation for helping sides avoid relegation has never really been in doubt, of course. He'd be the the first person to to tell you that. In fact, maybe he actually could finally realize – that dream of managing Real Madrid this season, based upon how they're actually <laughs> how they're actually going, but um, it, it's it's very often it's, it ends up being the style, doesn't it? That's the, the, the stick that people beat him with, and I think. Um, well, I
0: think I think it's more than just the style. You know, if you had a manager that came in and said, "Yes, our style is conservative and unattractive, but I think this is the best way to climb up the table." I think this is the best way that we can build a team and put players on the pitch and finish as high as we possibly can. That's, that's one thing. And maybe you don't agree with it. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe that's, um, not the right way to go about things. But if you're delivering that message, that's one thing. If you're delivering the message of, well, we avoided relegation, so we had a successful season and nobody should complain about the results, that's a different message. And that's the message that Allardyce sends. Not that, my way is a good way to win, but that my way got enough done so you shouldn't complain about it. And I think that was just never going to work with the, with, with the average supporter base. It's just that's not how they're wired, and so it becomes a, like a, a, a really awkward fit and a really demoralizing fit in a lot of ways. And, and I think that's why, even though his tenure was mostly from a re- standpoint successful, everybody's going to look back on it with a sour taste
2: yeah no I, th- I think so for sure I think it's especially just sort of how he how he tended to conduct himself in the press conferences yeah. as well he, he wasn't exactly doing much to you know counteract that, that that view of him as being a Scrooge a little bit so um yeah his,
0: right, exactly his,
2: his role seems to be taken over this season by by jose he's doing his very best he almost <laughs> almost chucked a sort of whole tray of water bottles at a bunch of overseas fans that, uh, last night which was <laughs> which was definitely fun to see um Okay, then, I mean, immediately contrasting that then, and, um, the belated decision to appoint Marco Silva. Obviously, you were after him, and that, um, you know, was a bit messy in terms of the process of, of getting him over the line, but in the end, you did do. Um, uh, what are you, what was your initial view on the appointment of Marco Silva? Um, and I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll move off that to sort of talk about what his key challenges are, or what you viewed his key challenges as being this season um as he well, starts as a better
0: manager i like marco silva
2: um i think his his main sort of
0: selling point is that stylistically he's exciting um you know his his premier league history both with watford and with hull is one where the teams weren't necessarily better under his reign than expect them to be. But they played in a manner that they were aggressive defensively. Uh, they got a lot of players up the pitch. They wanted to play in the opponent's half. And he did that no matter where in the table he was. So you knew sort of coming in, maybe you didn't know how good everton would be given the players they had and there were some question marks and you know some of them have worked out well we can talk about a bunch of them but, you know there's a lot of personnel change over a lot of player changeover, but you you could be um confident that maybe they wouldn't even if they weren't good they would be fun and after a couple of, of of really demoralizing years i think that was important now eventually you have to be more than that right like you know we've seen that that sort of life cycle of a manager play out with roberto martinez right where He came in after Moyes had done the whole sort of like be not fun, but as successful as you can hope to be for a decade plus. And Martinez was fun and a breath of fresh fresh air and the team played well. And then eventually the team doesn't play well and you say, well, okay, the funness wears off when you're not winning. But after sort of the disaster that was last season and after dealing with Allardyce and after all of that, to have a manager come in who is going to play something that is more entertaining, who wants to come in and score goals, I think is is is
2: good. It was a good
0: fit. And and I think so far we've seen him be a good fit even if it hasn't quite on the field hand out the way you might have predicted.
2: No, for sure I think it's being Everton manager, I think it, it it is a little bit more about the Just your style of football. I think the style of football is definitely exciting. That's definitely what his reputation is since he's come to the league. Um, There there would be some critics in terms of who who look at his individual record, but very much his ambition can't be can't be questioned, to be honest. Um, In terms of what you saw as his key challenges then ahead of this season, um, you know people have long looked to Everton's uh, sort of defensive solidity since Moyes left, uh, sort of the ageing defence that was back there and some of the some of the leaks. the sort of identity that you guys I suppose sort of lost under Allardyce by the end it did become very much just a, a case in point of ensuring that, that you didn't get beaten um and then fitness has often been questioned as well I mean th- those were the three points that I sort of had in my head but did you what did you view as sort of the the key challenges that he would face this season
0: yeah I think the, the identity one is is a big one and it's not just about style it's also about you know, even before Allardyce, Ronald Koeman, who was OK for a year and then sort of it all melted down, didn't have a particularly um, pronounced style on the field. Um, and so you've gone through now three-ish years where, you know, recruitment has been – there hasn't been a, a an overarching plan in place. So you have a lot of mismatched pieces. You had years where you would go out and buy three different central midfielders who sort of played on top of each other, yeah. some of whom more successful than others. Um, you spent a lot of money on Gilfie in the same window you brought in Davy Clausen, and they were never really going to be able to play together. You sort of had this never-ending succession of um, decent but not great players, but also players who you weren't, you didn't really think we're going to get better, right? You were buying guys in their prime who you sort of knew what they were already as opposed to hopefully prospects that could improve. And, and so, so, you know, Silva takes over a squad that is, it's a mismatched bunch. And then, so the first, I mean, so the first order of business is, okay, let, let's try to organize this team in the offseason and, and Marcel Brand comes in and you have, a pretty good transfer window after what had been a disastrous transfer window the year before and that's step one but yes it's 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 you know revitalizing an old defense it's um putting pieces together in attack that work together to to be sort of competent as opposed to just you know acting as if they've never really met each other before it's it's matching those skill sets correctly it's trying to figure out You know, what do we have in central midfield? I think one of the biggest tactical challenges that Silva has had to deal with is that Everton really lack passers in midfield um, and have for for a few years now. And they've they've had sort of, you know, they've taken risks on players who do a number of things uh, and do a number of things well, whether that's sort of, you know, just a guy on the defensive side of the ball or schneiderlin on the defensive side of the ball or tom davis who's young and sort of has potential but you know one of the things that young players are traditionally not great at is being very good passers um as they learn the game and so you've and and you've gilfie sigurdsson who plays further forward and is you know a quite good tactically and sort of skill level skill wise in the final third but is not somebody who drops deeper and sort of conducts play and so a Big problem for Silva coming into the season, and one that maybe Andre Gomes has solved a little bit, was Everton didn't have enough passers in the side to to really be an effective team. Um, So those, to me, you know, fitness is also an issue, but to some degree, I put it as subordinate to the other ones. You know, when you have an old defense, their fitness is going to be a problem. Make the defense younger, you're gonna have you're gonna start solve that problem. Bringing in guys with You know, looking at transfer windows and bringing in guys with questionable fitness histories um, is going to compound your fitness problems, right? Like you don't bring in Theo Walcott and expect him to be able to play every week. Um, He has been able to play every week this year, which is a nice added bonus. Um, So I think that getting the transfer strategy right and getting younger both sort of address the fitness issues in ways uh, without having to sort of like directly look at that problem.
2: No, for sure. I think there was there a was longer thought that uh, Everton were um, an aging side, really. I mean, that definitely felt the way in terms of the last sort of few months of Moyes' reign there. I felt, I felt like there, yeah, there, well, there, I there mean, wasn't this, much the, progression. Right. That
0: goes all the way back to Moyes and Moyes' philosophy, which was that guys didn't get into the Everton side until they had tons of experience. And that was whether they went out and bought players or whether they brought players in – Uh, You know, or whether they develop players, you know,
2: he'll always tell you about Wayne Rooney, though. He'll always mention Wayne.
0: (laughs) Right. Wayne is is the obvious exception. And then you don't talk about Leon Osmond, who went out on loan until he was 26. Right. Or Seamus Coleman, who spent, you know, right. Like Seamus Coleman spent years deputizing before, like, being when he finally broke into the squad, kind of a revelation at right back. And, you know. Moyes might say and maybe he'd be right that if those players didn't have that sort of training and development they wouldn't have been as good as they were but lots of teams across sort of like the the football spectrum are able to play young players um and get a lot out of them and that both makes you a better team it makes you better economically because you end up selling those players for more if you have to sell them it's a much better way to go about these things than like Waiting until guys are 26 or 27 years old, and they're already like at the back half of their career at that point before you trust them to play on a week in, week out basis.
2: No, certainly, I think it's very much in line with Silva's approach as well that he would. Uh, he, he... Yeah,
0: and and the transfer approach, right? I mean, that's that's part of what the deal is with richarlison who you go out and you—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a risk, sure, but mm-hmm. you know, you go out and you look at a guy whose stats were great, who's very young, who is overwhelmingly more likely to be better in three years than he is now and that's what makes spending a lot of money on him defensible is that you are buying guys who are going to be better in the future than spending a lot of money to pay for the things that a player has done in the past
2: yeah so i mean let's move on to the transfer window then actually and then then focus on a few of those signs Ricardo, and obviously the most high profile one given the money that was spent but Yerimina off the World Cup as well, you know, a lot of money spent on him for, for such, for such a young player. And you mentioned sort of young players there and giving them chances. I find that young centre backs tend to have a very hard time because, of course, can have 89 brilliant minutes, make one mistake, and then they're, you know, they're, they're consigned to the rubbish heap by, by plenty of managers. But it does seem to be changing in the league, which is, which is good to see. Lucas Digna as well, uh, a player who had, you know, at one point, perceived to have a very high ceiling, but it doesn't seem to have worked for him the way he'd hoped. But of course, a, a player with a great reputation coming in there as well. A couple of smart loans as well in terms of uh, Zuma, uh, Andre Gomez, and um, uh, free transfer of Bernard is, uh, I think, a great deal there. Um, You mentioned the transfer policy as a whole seeming more coherent as well. Um, Let's start with Ricarlison, but then talk about transfer policy as a whole and the players who have come in. But you mentioned the money that's been spent on Ricarlison. It is a risk, of course. People talked about how he performed last season, my view was always the fact that I mean the guy he pretty much played a whole season in Brazil prior to coming to Watford, so it, it wasn't really a shock to me that he was exhausted for the latter half of the season. But were you ever worried about that outlay based upon what you had seen of it?
0: I, I was not, and this is this is one of those places where be you know right I, I work at StatsBomb, we do uh, analytics is, is is what we do there, and I've been a you know an, an analytics writer and and sort of the analytics side of the media world for from past 5 6 years his numbers everything but the goal scoring numbers were always great for him at Watford that the entire year um and when you when you have a player like that when you have a player who puts up you know gets a lot of shots gets into great positions is great with the ball and the only thing that isn't happening the only thing is that the ball isn't ending up in the back of the net you know that tends to be the kind of player That problem gets solved. It just, those, being a player who gets a lot of good shots and doesn't score a lot of goals is a very, very rare thing. It's rarer than people think. Um, so when a player has a stretch, you know, a few weeks, a few months, even a full season where he's getting great shots and not scoring, the smart thing to do is to rely on the fact that in the future, he'll score an absolutely average number of their shots. And right, you see that with, with a guy like Mo Salah, who, Kind of came to Liverpool with the reputation of maybe not being a great finisher and has had, you know, this the beginning of this season had about a month, maybe six weeks, where people were worried about maybe his finishing wasn't, had left him. And those things just, they don't persist. So a guy like Richarlison is a great example of a player who had everything going for him age skills the numbers except for that one thing which was the goals and then you just depend on on that being the thing that's a fluke and i think that that's turned out and been borne out to be the case and i think richarlison is a clearly worth the money they spend on him, even even accounting for the fact that it was a lot of money and look you'd be realistic about where you sort of stand in in the order of, of of the football world that if this continues in two three four years he'll you know Move somewhere for a huge contract that that Everton isn't going to financially be able to match, but you're gonna turn a profit on that deal, and so it, it absolutely justifies the outlay. Um, yeah. To, it, yeah. To me, that's exactly the kind of transfer Everton needs to be making, and it's it's similar to Lukaku, right? It's it's the exact same mold of that, which is clearly the best transfer that you know the team has made in in, in the past, you know, five ten years.
2: No, certainly, I think it definitely does. Uh... To smack a smart business there. And, and you mentioned the numbers as well, as well. Of course, Anfield Index being um, a platform, um, an AI pro as well, that's sort of heavily grounded in those numbers, looking right. at the underlying numbers. And, and you mentioned Salah as well, I think. I mean, early on in the season when all that speculation was going on about, oh, he's not the most Salah of last season, all that stuff. I mean, looking at his underlying numbers, we could see, it's still there. It was. It was still bubbling right. away, and and the same with Carlison. I think actually in the summer there were there were a few links actually uh, between Liverpool and Carlison just based upon the numbers, um, notwithstanding yeah, the, just how much he runs. it's the same kind
0: of profile, right? It's the profile of somebody who kind of a wide forward who has put up great sort of scoring opportunities, great expected goal numbers, and just didn't quite match it. And those are the kinds of guys that you expect to score goals. Now. Not not to move too far away from the transfer business, but there's stuff to talk about tactically, where he's playing as the lone striker now, and is that the best way to use him? Is it not? Um, But aside from that, clearly the talent absolutely justifies it, and and that's the same for you know you see this summer Everton took a number of risks in that way. Bernard's another example. You know everything about him is you know sort of points to him being a good competent player. The risk, of course, is that he had not done it in a, in a top-flight league. Um, he, he had done it in the Champions League, but that's a relatively small number of games. So there's a question of how does it translate over to the Premier League. But that's a that's a that's a reasonable risk to take, and and it, it has seemed to work out for Everton. Um, Mina is is sort of it's it's a little more difficult when you're talking about center backs, and he never really got a chance to play at Barcelona and. But you kind of understand that too, because it was such a big leap in in you know competition level from going from South America directly to Barcelona for half a season, and they needed to be younger in defense. They needed more competent bodies in defense, and they've now added Mina and Zuma and Michael Keane over the last three years. Although Keane is not necessarily a great fit with Silva. Um, and so you understand that risk, even if maybe it's it's a slightly there's a slightly bigger chance it doesn't work
2: out.
0: Injured, so the, I mean the whole process becomes uh, you know more complicated by that.
2: Yeah, no, of course, uh, and Kurt Zuma as well. I think is it, 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 yeah it is a player who yeah many many times people looked at him looked at the talent, and actually I think he's a player. You look at that Chelsea backline right now, and what maybe. Uh, that Saris after and and you look at them sending him out so willingly. um, It is a bit of a surprise, but I guess it just just, just does go to show you just the different clubs and how they're willing to um, give opportunities to young players like Zuma, like uh, Eddie Mino, of course at Barcelona as well. Um, Well, look,
0: when you're you're in Everton's position, you need to take bigger risks in some variety, in some ways, right? You know, Chelsea can wait to see if a player is going to be great before deciding to give him minutes. Everton can't. By the time everybody knows a player is great, that player is going to be too expensive for Everton to hang on to. That's just the reality of of, of what the football world looks like now. Um, Maybe it won't be in 10 years. Maybe it still will be. Maybe it will be better. Maybe it will be worse. Who knows? But – Right now, where Everton is, they need to take those risks. They need to look at figuring out which players will be better before the richest clubs in the world decide that they're, that they're good. Um, or they need to take risks like with Bernard, where they need to take risks that he will adjust to the Premier League before other teams, other richer teams see, oh, he has adjusted and then go and spend that money. And I think the set of risks they've taken this year are quite good. Whereas if you look at the, for that, the set of risks was just terrible, and that's a that's like a big and important difference for a team.
2: No, certainly, I think it's it's all about sort of measuring those risks out and judging where it's uh, you know, it's it's it, it, it's worth taking those risks. I actually remember just a, a comparison in terms of Christian Eriksson. I remember around the time he was moving to the Premier League, lots of people. I mean, you could see you could see his underlying numbers, you could see the quality that was there, but there was lots of sort of apprehension about some of the top sides really taking a chance at, uh, on him. I think loads of people had a look at him. And then in the end, he ends up at Tottenham. And then, you know, will he adapt to the league? And you can see that risk has, has paid off hugely for them. So I definitely think it's a smart strategy for Everton to, uh, to employ. I mean, moving on to the season then, uh, and how things have gone so far, you know, under Silver, um, what have your general thoughts been on the start to the season and, and, and Silver's, uh, impact so far? Obviously, you've seen, um, you know, that win over Cardiff this weekend, lifting you up into the top six, you know, five out of your last seven Premier League games you've won, strong home form seems to be there as well, one loss in the last 10 Premier League games at home. Um, so that that all points to to the positive, but of course it, it's, it's going to take time. What have your thoughts been so far? Yeah, I think they've been
0: pretty good, I but it, it may be a little bit of a surprising way. This team has actually performed quite well defensively, and... That's obviously not what Silva is known for. But, I mean, it turns out that the juicy guy is just having an unbelievably great season. Um, the attack has actually struggled a little bit more than than you might have thought. Uh, they have – they've had trouble sort of piecing together what the front four should look like. Um, it didn't help that early in the season Richarlison was suspended for a couple of games. Um right as he sort of got off the mark. So, the I mean, the attack, we know what it's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to get a lot of bodies forward. Both of the fullbacks are supposed to provide with, But they've had some difficulty creating really, really good chances. They, they've scored mostly by sort of flooding people flooding people forward, creating a bunch of shots, and, you know, getting a half-decent-headed chance to go in. Or, you know, Gilby Sigurdsson finding a sliver of space for, you know, a relatively unlikely 25-yarder that he's Sigurdsson time to tie and that, that's that been how they score goals but defensively you know Ghana has just mopped up behind those front you know that those those advanced players so expertly that they've really done a great job of shutting down the opposition and yeah I mean I think sixth is about fair for them I think that they're they're sort of in that mix with with teams this year like Bournemouth and Watford. Um, who are all pretty good teams. I mean, they're not going to really compete for the Champions League per se, but these these are a better sort of secondary group of teams than you see many years. And I think that given what Everton were last year, like I, I don't know how you could not be happy with what you're seeing.
2: No, certainly. I think it's progress that's undeniable. I mean, e- even if it does yeah. come with a few hurdles here and there. Um, interesting what you say actually there about sort of the, the attacking side of things, not perhaps being as – um as sort of uh, fluid as you would, maybe would, would have expected. Yeah, that to I, be. you know, having watched Silva, I thought it was going to be really swashbuckling
0: and dynamic. And I think, I mean, I think it's basically a factor of personnel and who they're playing that they don't really have a center forward. So, Richarlison is, is, is filling in in that role. Um, Theo Walcott's been good on the right wing, but he's a very traditional sort of attacking right winger um even though he likes to score goals more he plays better when there's a um when there's a, a more of a target forward to sort of interact with and Richarlison is not that which can be a struggle and Sigurdsson is 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 a great and skillful finisher and in his moments but he doesn't really conduct things in 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 the final third and then they've had this problem all year where they just haven't had a passing midfielder to make everything click together and so they haven't been as dynamic as I would have thought, but it hasn't particularly mattered because they've been good enough, and that defense led by, by Ghana
2: has been legitimately quite good. I know. It's, it's definitely sort of contrasting with what people would you know, naturally yeah. expect from Marco Silverside. Maybe he himself actually was looking a little bit about how his reputation was becoming a little bit. I think people did look at him and think, oh, yeah, high energy attacking, but does he get the results? Maybe that yeah, tightening up a the know, back. you know, an it's, it's an interesting, it's an question. Um, you know, it's an interesting question
0: as to whether this is something in the the Marcos Silva has has implemented or whether he just sort of discovered that this would work because he's got Ghana out there every week. Um, because it really is like a lot of this is predicated on on the the, the one great defensive central midfielder, and he's just having an unbelievable year. And it's, it's hard to tell whether this was some sort of planned or something that they sort of walked into, but that's definitely where they are now.
2: I'm sure him being a football manager, uh, a young football manager as well, he's, he's definitely not going to take credit for something that he stumbled upon. And it's all, <laughs> it's all part of the plan. And you mentioned passing midfielders that Just, that's all that's missing. And I just cast my eyes over to, to Washington DC and think about, uh, a midfielder who's over. <laughs> I'm not going to go back to, to Wayne Rooney. <laughs> I
0: do, I do it has been very cool for, for my life to having it, Wayne Rooney here. here. Sort of serendipitously. I will say, for forever, um, pride has helped with that. Um, I think, again, Barcelona pedigree, there's a, which I think he's been overrated throughout the course of his career. He looks like a footballer. Um, but he actually has a fairly limited skill set. But one of the, 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 like, sort of the, what sits on top of that skill set, the thing that he's actually pretty good at, even if he's not great at a lot of things, is passing. And, and so moving him into the side, being able to cover for some of his mobility issues, um, the fact that he doesn't really get forward all that well, but you have all the players who can, um, there was just sort of this perfect little hole for him to fill. And his passing has helped.
2: No, certainly. I think it's it's been good to see. Um, it, certainly, I, th- I think from the outside as well, looking at Rooney's looks fitter and happier anyway. So I think it's, 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 been, it's been good to see that his career not sort of fizzled out the way in which it looked like it may have done it one yeah,
0: stage I, I mean I, I i was concerned that wayne rooney was going to come here the way that steven gerrard came here and not sort of fully appreciate yeah. that while the league is of lower quality there are sort of unique challenges to playing football in america like it's a really big country there's lots of demanding travel you play on lots of really crappy surfaces um so i was worried that that, that was sort of Going to happen to Rooney, and it—it it turns out Rooney Rooney's really risen to the challenge in some very cool ways.
2: Yeah, certainly unexpected, but I think it's been good to see. I, I think that's probably enough sort um, of praise for Rooney <laughs> on this. Pod. People, people will start sending me tweets, and I—I I just yeah, I don't mind that. But um, in, in terms of moving on, then, I mean, we, we we've covered sort of Rick Carlson's impact since signing, um, and your thoughts on him and how he can develop and things like that. Um, Silver's first Merseyside derby, then just before we go into the break, and then bring Kay in to speak about Liverpool. I mean, Silver's first derby. Uh, what we were talking about early on with Anadys and sort of how things ended last season, and even the approach in the derby that was very negative, it was very conservative. Um, you can argue that it was needed at the time or whatever, and that he viewed that as the best way to, um, you know, to stay in that derby against a side that was attacking as well as we were last season. But for Silver's first uh, Merseyside derby, do you expect him? Um, to want to be more competitive, to want to be more aggressive? Uh, and, and what sort of approach are you uh, expecting?
0: Yeah, my, my expectation is that this team plays the way Marcos Silva plays, no matter who is on the other side of the ball. Um, that has its benefits and it has its drawbacks, right? So my concern is not the Allardyce concern. My concern is the other, the other direction, whereas tactically I'm not sure this is a great fit, for going up against Liverpool, and I, I am somewhat concerned that that they're going to get overrun. I think, you know, you're you as we were just talking about, man, this is going to put so much pressure on Ghana to 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 keep things together. You know, Everton, they're going to want to have the ball. They're going to want to move the ball forward quickly and create chances. They're not going to want to bunker in, and this is not a team that is built to bunker in if they're forced to do it. Um, you know, and and clearly Given where everything is, Liverpool have have more talent. Now that said, like the hope, right, is that the the recent scuff, the recent sort of attacking scuffles that Liverpool have gone through, the fact that their midfield is not um, necessarily healthy or, or sort of firing on on all cylinders, means that maybe there's an opportunity here for Everton to sneak in and, and and have a good match. Um, but yeah, my concern is that tactically, Silva's tactics are not a great fit for going up against Liverpool, but also that. You know they're very committed to playing this style.
2: Mm, yeah, I think it will be interesting to see whether he does make any adjustments, just based upon sort of. I guess it, it, it's more than three pointers, and it? it's, it's it's more than a match for right for Everton fans, for Liverpool fans. It, it, it the performance is very important, and I, and I think sort of. A, a heavy loss, for example, if, if, if that was to happen, and I'm, I'm not being disrespectful or terms that. I, I'm saying like the sort of losses that Martinez, despite having some some good performances right, right. that season, suffered. I think that really did affect um, people's perception of him, um, and also people's perception of, of, of how how much progress he was making with Everton at the time. Because you can you can win a bunch of games, but if you still go and get humbled at Anfield, it, you know, it, it is bound to be tomorrow. No, that's Everton. right. I
0: mean, look, I think that fans will be very understanding of um of valiant loss right if if, if we go to the, if we go out there and we take the game to liverpool and we play well and we try to play aggressive and you know the style that Silva's implemented and you end up losing 2-1 that happens and i think i think you know fans fans are savvy you know supporters understand where you know where the the sort of the relative skill levels of these two teams lie, and I think that will be fine. Um, I think that will probably even be you know more well regarded like say an extremely negative nil nil draw oh uh, that's it. If you go out and try to play that style and you get crushed three nothing like that 's a different story and 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 that is something that I think Silva needs to at least be aware of
2: mm. it, it, it's it 's difficult balancing act. It's, it's, it's definitely be interesting to see how how he does look to approach it. Mike, thanks so much for all that sort of insight on Everton there. I mean, we'll definitely bring you back in just, just at the end so we can actually talk about some of the key battles um, that lie ahead of us this weekend. Um, but we're just going to speak to, uh, to Kay about all things Liverpool. So back now, guys, and, and speaking Liverpool, so the, the red half of this uh, this Merseyside derby, uh, Kay, to bring you in, I mean, uh, talks over the past few weeks about sort of Liverpool's general performances this season, uh, you know, Lots of stuff to be very positive about, very effusive about. Other stuff perhaps not clicking in the way we would have, would have hoped just yet, but the wins keep on coming. Um, there was, an, in the league and that's, that's obviously been hugely important for us. This is a, this a big week at the start of a very difficult month. Uh, but before we get into that, um, what did you think of the win over Watford? Um, and what were your thoughts on, on that
1: performance? Look, so, Watford, I've got a lot of respect for that team. Very decent, very handy. I sort of really like Troy Dini. <laughs> I sort of can't... I can never get over the fact that he, you have this guy, you know, he has this game and he's so effective at it. And um, even when he gives his interviews, he just seems so honest to the, to the to that sort of fault of his identity that he brings out onto the field. So I, I kind of love it. And it was a strange game. And we, we keep on saying that for every single game, right, Ari? We keep on saying, oh... It, that game ended. We won. That was a strange game, man. And <laughs> I don't know what to make of it yet. I don't know. I don't know how to approach this the the season yet. That's how strange it is. I'm very happy for the wins. I'm also slightly concerned about the performances. We obviously have some imbalances. Mike was, uh, you know, talking about our midfield a bit earlier. That's going to be an issue for us, uh, especially this week, given that we need to, sh- you know, shuffle things around and, and things like that. But there's a couple of things. I mean, Mo Salah looks like he's coming back to his uh, his best and, uh, you know, the more time we can give uh, perhaps like Fabinho and Keita maybe to to get into this team and uh, put, their, um, put their stamp down on it, the better. So, you know, a, a couple of things like that. Virgil van Dijk and Gomez are doing such wonderful work at the back along with our full backs and Alice. Lots of positives. And I think the question is looking at, especially after that result for Watford, where we sort of Kind of, and I don't, I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything about that, like l- deliberately, we sort of scraped a 3-0 win. <laughs> a lot of people were looking at the result going like, oh, that was kind of lucky, you know, and yet it's 3-0. And that's a sort of indicative result of the Liverpool side at the moment. And I'm not sure to be that unhappy with how this team is playing, given that the defensive resolve is there and we are still winning games. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll discuss some of those issues as we go along, but uh, I'm happy. I'm happy about the results. Long may they continue, and we we tend to look better and better every week. And I'm hoping that's what happens over, you know, by the time we sort of get to the Christmas rush. rush.
2: Yeah, it's been interesting. I think because for so many years, you you look at the Liverpool sides that have been competing in the Premier League, and you think, well, you know, there's 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 drawbacks here. There's there's issues to be addressed that haven't been addressed, but the attack is good enough to. You know, for them to achieve the result, oftentimes it, it wasn't the case. And, and this season, with the defense ha- having improved so much, uh, both in structure, both personnel-wise as well, um, I, think it's, I think it's taking fans a little bit of time just to get used to. To be honest, we speak speaking about it every week. It's, it's, it's quite a foreign concept for us to have a, a defense that we know we can t- tend to rely on. Uh, obviously, got a huge test this week against PSG uh, in Paris. That will be uh, interesting to see how that young partnership do. Um, but I think it was so used to seeing the attack uh, click. I mean, in that game against Watford, I thought one thing that was encouraging, especially after the first uh, drab 38 or whatever minutes, um, the front three, I mean, one thing that we've not seen this season is really real connection between that front three. I thought this match towards the uh, the latter half of it, you started to see that come back a little bit. You know, the, the first goal, for example, with them all linking up together, um, but just generally seeming a little bit more in sync. Um, is that encouraging for you? Obviously, I think Firmino's form this season has been a little bit of a worry, um, but Mane and Salah seem to be balling, uh, sort of warming up nicely.
1: Yeah, very much. We, I mean, I think the big issue with what you're saying, one of the things is the sort of Jurgen Klopp brand. I think that's also sort of confusing Liverpool fans is that we, you know, we have this sort of constant uh, slogan of the heavy metal football, and especially given the way how we played last season with the high press... We, we we tend to you know we tend to score a lot of goals and concede a lot of goals and and live by the sword die by the sword yeah, what's yeah this? It,
2: what's this type of yeah. <laughs> thing it, it it's not classical yeah. music it's not Arsenal it's it, it's it, is is it really functional I don't know alternative I don't know, is, it, is it is it boring house
1: I'm I'm not sure what it is it's so it's so one of the things that you know is it is really indicative of a form of front three we're expecting them to start to pick up where they where they stopped last season. And there's a couple of things there. I mean, number one is that Jurgen Klopp's teams don't tend to always start very well. And, you know, you have to factor in the World Cup stuff. And, you know, we, we've talked... Uh, well, Liverpool fans have talked about that a lot on your show, obviously, Harry. And, you know, there's all those issues that are going with it. But that is... From seeing the front three being so devastating to seeing them being a little bit subdued, and we aren't necessarily winning every match, you know, or getting even close to those, to the dominant three nil scoreline or above. It, you can see how it was a worry and you can see how the, the, especially the lack of link from midfield up to the front has been a problem. We've seen the center backs in fact grow increasingly in a creative sense into our games because I mean, from a personal perspective, I just feel like that hasn't always sort of worked and, as we're changing the sort of, I don't, know if we, I don't know if system is the right word. I mean, I know the you know things have sort of changed, but the functions of particular players, including now, it seems uh, you know, and that might be something in unlocking Sadio Mane because w- when the season started, what I've seen is that I I saw like Mo Salah more or less same function, albeit occupy a little bit more of the striking position than he did uh, at, at the beginning. Last season, it was more towards the end of last season that I I felt he sort of more came into the middle and occupied that striker role while Firmino dropped back a little bit. Now he seems to be um, floating between the two inside forward striker positions quite easily during the game. And it was Roberto Firmino who didn't have that sort of link up. And how do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you design those link ups with a midfield that is bidding in? Uh, Sadio Mani at the beginning of the season, I thought he had the look of somebody who was going to have this amazing hue. He just looked like he wanted to get the bit between his teeth. He wanted to just drive forward and have the season that Mo Salah had last season. And it sort of hasn't worked out for him. We've been talking about this in one of the Discord groups on, uh, you know, one of the AI Discord groups. And it's an interesting thing. And this is the reason why I asked on, on my part this, this past, uh, this past game week, what, you know, he contract, but that, that lack of signing a contract has thrown up so much discussion, right? Like, how good is Sadio Mane and where does he fit in? Can we get better? Oof, it's, uh, for me, look, it's a huge boost that he signed that long-term contract. Sadio Mane down at Anfield is, for me, his performances. Yes, they've been erratic, but he just, one of the things that, that you can't say about the Liverpool team is that they hide. He always seems to be trying, perhaps trying too much, but it, it might not be working out, but it's not for lack of effort. And if something, you know, that, that last game against Watford, uh, he's with uh, Robertson, with Bobby Firmino, if they're getting used to the new roles, if the midfielders come, come into it a little bit and allow to out their roles and Sadio Mane is going to just have a good season and let's not forget like last season we said exactly the same thing about Sadio Mane that we're saying this season he's not looking well he's remember the jealousy rumors or oh, he's jealous of, <laughs> of Mo Salah and uh, they're not getting along very well and it was the same thing you know he sort of he didn't start very well or so it looked. and then suddenly we're in the middle of the season and he's having a, a very decent spell. so for me Sadio Mane being there is only a plus um, and I, I very much look forward to how he's going to come forward, how is going to fit into that front three, front four, and how we're going to design the front play around those players, particularly to see mean start to start reacting to, um, to Mo Salah and, and like, uh, vice versa, because we sort of do need that to start kicking on a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, I'd agree on that. I think it's, um, to the Mane, I think yeah, it's, it's a real positive to see him having signed that contract. There were some doubts about, you know, where his future lied and, and, just having the entire front three, I think, locked down into long-term contracts. Um, uh, and yeah, at, at least out of Barcelona's reach, because you put that ridiculous clause into any future deals in the next couple of years, which is, which is magnificent. Um, is, it, it's, it, it, it's a great thing to see. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he has a real positive season. He always seems to be involved so unorthodox in the way he plays as well. Um, he, he's always one of, one of my favorite players to watch. He's even when we've had drab performances, you, you feel like he can provide a little bit of ingenuity um, to to create something out of nothing, which is is always very useful. Um, moving on to, I mean, the, the midfield. So the midfield's been like a recurring topic um, throughout the entire season. There's some debates that I, I was just you could write uh, biblical um, sort of scriptures on in terms of <laughs> just the, how how incredibly boring they are at this stage. Um, I mean, my view on it from a while has been that, uh, the system doesn't quite work. I think Cy Brunnish and some of the guys on the under pressure pod have, have highlighted that as well. Doesn't seem to be getting the best, um, out of the attackers. There's certainly not enough passes going forward to them as well with the combinations we tried with the flat three, etc. Um, Henderson, you know, following that red card against, uh, Watford, he's set to miss the derby this weekend. So I'm interested. I mean, how would you see us, or how would you like to see us lining up? And do you think this is the time for, Cater, uh, who of course we've all got very high hopes for, um, and Fabinho to maybe uh, to start in,
1: in in this sort of game. I think that's an interesting call. It's, it's difficult for a derby, you know, to to sort of just come in. It depends how Silver really approaches it. I remember when Martinez was was uh, was head coach in Everton, and we had Rodgers, and that was a really interesting matchup because the, you know the two of them obviously knew each other. And the first, I think if I'm getting this correctly. Uh, you guys must just you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But it seemed to me like the first time they there was almost this um, this sort of unspoken agreement that no, this is not going to be the most blood and thunder derby we've ever seen. We're sort of going to go into the more calculating. And the, the 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 next one, I think Martinez surprised Rogers a little bit by going for it quite a lot by being quite aggressive. And it, it's you know it depends how well will approach this and how the players are fired up for it there's there's been a lot that i think everton fans have had to endure recently um over this recent period especially when it comes to derbies and results against liverpool and i think you know that will seep from crowd into the players and the midfield is obviously a key battle in that you know how do you gain dominance how do you gain control with that for me it's so difficult to say all, all i can say is like Keita and Fabinho, the, it has to be the plan. It just has to be the plan that they are uh, oriented into the team and they, they start working at some point. The difficulty is how do you play it? Is it, is it system versus players? Because that's what the equation is sort of at this point. Klopp sort of trusts his incumbents a bit more because he knows what he's going to get from them and what he's going to get from them is an adhesion to the system. And, and it's sort of works in a in a more defensive sense and in a more transition sense with uh, the players we're used to. When you have Cater and Fabinho, things have to change a little bit and suddenly it's the attributes of the players themselves that we're not really familiar with that has to come in. It's difficult because like we've seen in the game against Watford, Harry, we saw at one point Fabinho come all the way back into the number six position and then you know, we see our centre backs get a bit frustrated at the positioning of our midfield. They come into the great little bit. We've seen in previous games the balls over the top or they start sending through balls through um we are we we're looking to the full backs as well to create quite a lot for us because it just seems that we're not getting enough from midfield i think it's sort of it's sort of it, for me i'd love to see uh Keita in this game i'd love to see fabinho in this game i i'd love for them to have a taste of things and and to see where we come out with I just wonder what Klopp will do because he's got this game and uh, I mean he's got PSG and the derby to manage and how he puts the the two together for for those teams. I think Jurgen Klopp will try to play his best team available for both games. I'm not sure what that means in terms of the Red. So, I mean, not a conclusive answer for me. I would be looking to play Kater and Fabinho and so every opportunity uh, they just look absolutely phenomenal and want them to be in as soon as possible. I wouldn't be upset at Klopp because Everton is a it's the derby it's a big game and if he went with a team to more control the game especially for the opening um for the opening exchanges i wouldn't really blame him
2: mike to bring you in i mean it'd be interesting to get your perspective on on this issue cuz I, I know you mentioned it earlier in the pod that sort of you um, people can see that you know, the midfield's not quite Clicking the way it, it perhaps could do to, to take Liverpool to the next level this season. I mean, what have you made of sort of the, the performances that you've seen so far this season from Liverpool and and do you, do you pinpoint this uh, this part of the pitch as being the issue?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean I, I think we need to be careful to like where we center the conversation because Liverpool are even with a midfield that is perhaps not at 100 percent, like are still excellent. And so the question is more like what is the 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 peak for them and I think the issue has mostly been health i I think that if you have um you know sort of your first your 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 first choice midfielders um that the team has looked fine the The concern has been that that when you've needed to to make changes when Henderson can't play ninety minutes twice a week anymore um and has been in and out of the lineup when when You've you've started with Genie Wijnaldum at the six instead of you know what everybody I think expected at the beginning of the year that Fabinho was just going to slot right in there and so you've seen when Fabinho and Ceda have just had such a hard time integrating themselves you've seen this drop off um, when it's Eddie basically when it's like not uh, Henderson Milner Wijnaldum and and even with Wijnaldum you would sort of hoped that that would get upgraded as opposed to being sort of your basic part of your your midfield three and there's just been you know milner was played out of his mind at the beginning of the season um covered those problems because he was playing so well and that as his form has sort of dropped off somewhat reasonably so there hasn't been anybody else and i think from the outside a lot of people expected it to be cater just sort of expected cater to come in and be a dynamic force at the top of that midfield and there's just been a lack of dynamism in terms of Having players that can progress the ball forward, draw defenders to them and free that front three, make runs off the ball to get into the spaces that, that Firmino vacates when he drops deeper. There just hasn't been that level of dynamism from the midfield that there has been in the past, at least fr- from what I I've, I've been able to see.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see what Klopp does really as the season progresses because you, you'd imagine so that it could even be the case that uh, you know, some of this has been his plan based upon sort of the fitness levels of those midfielders to introduce them following Christmas or even during this month as we head into the, uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, uh, the, the, ol- the only other thing I'd say from the outside is that I remember last year it took Ox
0: until about now, maybe even a month from now, to really hit his form with, with the side. And that once he did that, that's really what propelled Liverpool to sort of stratospheric levels over the second half of the year. And so I would not be surprised at all if we see that, especially from Cato going forward, that as he gets integrated, he's, he's a real success. Like, I wouldn't be writing him off by any means, but I would say that over the, you know, the first third of the season, the fact that he did, has not bedded in quickly has been a problem.
2: No, yeah, it, it does seem to have been that way. And I think one, one impact that it's had, Kay, just to bring you in on this is, you mentioned sort of the centre backs taking on the onus of creativity there as well, but we've also seen, uh, Trent, uh, and, uh, Robbo as well, the full backs having to take on, uh, more responsibility in, in how they contribute to the attack, you know, getting the ball to the, to, to the front three, because they aren't actually typically seeing it from the midfield. So, um, I mean, what have you made of their performances so far this season? I mean, uh, Robertson in particular over the past few games, um, seems to be really, really excelling. Uh, he's got, of course, he's got, tough test this week against uh, a small matter of uh, Mbappé and um of course um, Trent if he's to play as well uh, just the a, a small matter of dealing with that Neymar guy but um uh, I mean h- how do you reckon they've done so far this season
1: they've they've done alright um look Robertson has been just really good this season he's been absolutely terrific Trent I know he's young and everything I, just to you know to lay it out I think they there are one or two issues with him defensively and he does seem to look a little bit exposed at times. It's not, it's not really cost us that much because, uh, his accompanying center back has always been pretty good. And, um, and, uh, you know, I mean, this is the problem with most sellers in front of you. And, you know, who, who, who is there in the midfield to come back and, and sort of help you out continuously? It's a bit of a problem, I think, with the, with the patterns of play and how players are coming back. And it's, um, it's difficult for Trent. I'm, I'm not trying to say it's all his fault, but that has been an issue. Going the, it, it, I mean, when I say a bit of an issue, I don't mean like a huge, a little bit of an issue. Going the app, they've been really, really good. The, the, you know, the crossing to the box has gotten uh, seriously, seriously brilliant. Robertson in particular, though. I mean, I remember when the guy first came and he just used to, him and Trent both. All they knew how to do is put these crosses into the box, and they had really lovely shapes on them. But they were just, there was nobody there. And Liverpool is not the tallest side in the world, you know, so you have to deliver it like on a penny. Otherwise, it's, it's it's going to be useless. And there were quite a lot of crosses that were useless. And then he started learning about you know cutting inside and. Um, more low crossing and passing into the box, and now he's starting to just develop into somebody who's really involved in the build-up play and making really good decisions with what to do with the ball. Uh, Trent is, uh, for for me, he's used more in a a support role. You know, he he like he he supports the attack, whereas uh, Robertson, for me, is involved in the attack. And uh, I know people, I've, I've heard a couple times that we that we might be relying on them a little bit because of the. You know the midfield deficiencies. I don't look at it that way. I think I think this is purposeful, and I think in their development and their evolution in their careers, Klopp has openly relied on and said, "You know, go do the job, go do the job, and we'll see where we get to." But this is this is your space. Use it, and we. I mean, Robertson has gotten on. You know, ratings was like eights <laughs> most of the weeks, and Trent has been pretty good as well. You know, we've been a little bit lucky. I'm I'm a bit worried about uh, backup for them. And I don't know what's going to happen with it. But I suppose, you know, that's a different question. They've been really good this season. I can only sing their praises.
2: Yeah, it's been tough, of course, because backup for left-back. I mean, mean, Moreno is there, of course. Um, On on the right-back side of things, I mean... uh, with Nathaniel Klein's retirement from football, it's, 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 it's been difficult. Yes. To, his,
1: his sudden disappearance from any, the yeah, earth.
2: It's very, strange. I do, I do, I do hope his family are okay. It's, it's quite strange. Um, it, it, just one last question before we get into that. Sure. Sort of, I guess, the, um, the specifics of the game this weekend and sort of the key battles we're expecting, but it's a huge couple of, of days for, for, for Liverpool with you know, the game against PSG. Um, you know, needing needing not to lose that game. And then at the derby this weekend, we mentioned uh, a little bit about how tough this month is going to be. Um, last season, Klopp did rotate for the home game against Everton. There was some criticism about that based on how mm. it ended, um, which I thought was a bit harsh. But, um, do, do, do you see much rotation? You mentioned earlier that you think he's going to play his stronger side for both, which is, you know, a, a, a brilliantly fan sitting answer to, to, I guess, the question I'm asking. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, Do you think he will attempt that again? And also, does the increased squad depth you've got this season sort of negate the impact that will have? I mean, there's not going to be the likes of, you know, having to put Solanke in the team
1: um, where the the drop-off is so great. It's, yeah. I mean, every time I think Klopp is going to rotate, he just doesn't. And uh, (laughs) he always doesn't. He always just plays. You know, I think I think there will be a couple changes. He, we do have a much bigger squad, and that does negate this. Uh, he has a lot more options, but this is the month when he well. does it, doesn't it? Yeah, this month. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's just, it's just he hasn't. You know, the way he's he's sort of just afforded such a long time for uh, the new boys to to bed in and things like that. I don't think there'll be too much rotation within the squad. I like certainly. I mean, if you look at it. It's Virgil van Dijk, the keeper and the fullbacks, and I think they'll play. Uh, they'll play both games. Um, he'll try in as much as possible to have the front three uh, playing both games. Uh, although I, I know Sadio's just come back, so I'm not entirely sure whether you know there's some gamesmanship as to whether he plays or doesn't play and throw a spanner in um, in the PSG planning if that's still a thing nowadays. But I mean. By and large I expect the team to be mostly intact and there to be one or two changes. I I, I know that Klopp does use the, the the rotation a bit more. It's just that, you know, while, while the running has been good, it hasn't been up to that level of last season. And I think Klopp has also uh used the the fitness of the squad a bit more conservatively, uh, slightly than he did than he did last season. So he's got a bit more space. I think he essentially rotates for fatigue and um and then he, see, he sees from this thing. I, yeah, I mean, um, I don't see, I don't see that much Harry uh, changing. I don't know. Why, I don't know if your thoughts are a bit different to that.
2: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I think it's very difficult to second guess Klopp, but just based upon the fact that this was the phase of the of the season last time round where we did start to see. Uh, quite a, a regular amount of rotation and I think I think we actually rotated more than anybody in the league by the end of the season based upon what we did in this month. Um I think that was sort of the um the repercussion of what you know club experienced during his first sort of um uh, winter period in the Premier League without that break. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting I think I think this you know, this season having the options that he does we may see him do it even more which could be which could be quite um Quite intriguing to watch on the pitch, I guess, and, and also to see, uh, uh, take a glance at Twitter when it, when it does happen, because, you know, fans are desperate for rotation, and then when it happens, they, are uh, they lose their minds. So, um, Mike, to bring you in and talk about the the game itself then, I mean, uh, what do you see as the key value? You mentioned earlier on, sort of, Idrissa Gay, having a huge, uh, huge role to play there in terms of if you do follow the, the typical silver template, um, he's going to have a lot of work, you know, and, 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 to, to contend with in, in that sort of game, um, what sort of approach do you think that you're you're going to see then? Um, and, and, and any rotation for you that perhaps you you think you might not expect it? No,
0: nah, I mean I I, ex- I expect that we're going to start the the eleven we've been we've been mm. running out there, um, which is over the which I think is good, right? Like over the over the last six weeks or so, they've really settled into a rhythm. Digne having made left back his spot with Gomez coming into the side. And I think that that's in general the right balance for this team. Um, as for the specifics of the match, I, I think two things that I really look at. I, um, if things are going well, I expect to see uh, Idris, just just winning the ball back from that midfield a lot. Like for you know, as Liverpool try to play those two or three passes to settle possession before they they zip it forward to the front three, that's that's where he has to live. He has to break up those attacks there because if, if, if those attacks don't get broken up there, Everton are in real trouble, And which to me then gets to the the, the second matchup, the one that gives me nightmares, which is just Mo Salah getting behind Lucas Dinier all day, all day long because Dinier is important for Everton's attack. He's really one of the main sort of ways that they move the ball into the final third and then into the box. And obviously, you know, job specifically is to stay behind the fullback when the fullback gets advanced, and, and sort of receive those passes and turn and run. And much worse teams than Liverpool have been able to do that uh, to Silva. You know, much worse teams have been able to turn, have been able to get runs at exposed center backs by exploiting the space in behind Digne. And so, if if the game is not going well, I think we're going to see that a lot. And and that's something that that really concerns me a great deal.
2: Yeah, no, certainly. I think, yeah, just the, just the threat of the players we have in those positions is going to be a lot to contend with. I think Dinya is going to be, uh, certainly be tested. I mean, Kay on our side. I mean, what you've seen from Everton this season, where do you see those key battles being? Are you, you know, they, they do look fairly settled now. They're into a rhythm, as Mike says there. You had some good results in recent weeks. Uh, new manager, uh, who's likely to want to be. You know, as Mike said, employ his approach for this game and be a bit more competitive than we saw last time round. Um, where do you see the key the key battles being?
1: I'm mostly worried about our our right hand side. Um, I mean, before what Mike is mentioning there about uh, Lucas Denia, I'm, I'm sort of worried about Trent in our in our, um, our capacity in in this sort of same way. On on the on Everton's right hand side, I'm okay because. Uh, even though Walcott and I cannot get Walcott out of my head because he has just frightened us at times since his, since his Arsenal days and you're coming on as a substitute and just sort of running past our defense with his ridiculous pace. But I, I'm less worried about because of, um, because of Robo being that side and then, um, I'm seeing Sadio going back a lot more. So, you know, that, that can help sort of negate that. But on the other side, you've got Bernard, Rishalskin can go there. Um, Siggy might take up a good position. And then if, uh, if Lucas can get forward, that's a place where they can really, um, overrun Trent or our right back if, if, you know, if things work out like that. I, I'm, I'm not sure sort of where, anywhere else. I'm looking, and like you at our midfield, I think we'll be able to control the game and our front three will, will be able to get on the ball enough. So I'm, I'm not sort of worried about key battles or, uh, or matchups there, sort of. It's, it's more in those key moments when Everton get the ball and their plans for overloads in our defence, and I think they will attack that, uh, that right-hand side of ours.
2: How much of a threat do you see Ricallis in being?
1: I really like and I he, he looks, um, and he's just like always on the move and running. And, uh, he comes back and presses. And that, kind of thing. he's always going to be a dangerous striker because he can pitch up in those dangerous situations and he can just through his hard work make something out of nothing. Uh, you know, he, he'll, he'll press and do something. We have to be aware of his position at, at all times and hopefully. If the game works out that way, hopefully we can push Everton back a bit and isolate him a little bit and, and manage him that way. Because if you get Sigurdsson around him and, uh, and Bernard, again, like I say, they can take up good positions and sort of um, uh, unlock him a little bit more. But even, this is the thing, even even without the ball, Richarlison's a little bit dangerous. So I am wary of, of him. He's performed really well at Everton, had a really good start, and he's obviously enjoying life under Marco Silva. Who's, you know, a terrific manager. So definitely one that we should be looking out for and managing especially
2: mm. and mike from, from your side looking at all sort of the threats that liverpool pose i mean they're, they're they're very well documented and you mentioned there a little bit about uh how you know, the fullbacks could struggle um if they do leave too much space in behind um but just looking at liverpool from your own perspective especially with some of the work that you do with stats Bomb, i mean where do you look at us at the moment and think? Uh, oh, that—that's a real area of concern, or—or—that's or, or the player that we need to—we need to watch. Is it the obvious names? That
0: yeah, it's the—I mean, it's the obvious. I mean, I, I
2: think at this point,
0: everybody. The thing that is so dangerous about Liverpool is that everybody knows it's coming, and you still can't stop it, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, that's, <laughs> yeah it, it is, and that—that's—that's that's the thing, and you know. The best way to slow Liverpool down has traditionally, at least this season, become really packing it in defensively and making it hard, right? Not giving them space. And, and you have struggled at times when that happens to break down a team. But it's just, that's not whatever to do. And, and so trying to survive giving Salah space to run into is going to be, look, it's, it's not impossible. Pickford is, is, is a very good shot stopper. Uh, and, you know, Everton can, and we were just talking about, sort of go back and forth, you know, in an open game, sort of acceptably. Um, but I just, I look at this team, and I think that if 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 slowing Salah down really becomes a priority, that means pulling specifically Gay out of the midfield and 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 protecting and using him to protect uh, Dinier, which is possible. But then I look at that midfield, and I think. Yeah, even though they've struggled, Andre Gomez could, can't stop anybody if, if he's on an island as a midfielder himself. And, and, and so secondarily, I worry would worry a lot about, about sort of a midfield that's been okay for Liverpool sort of springing to life in those moments. You know, if Ghana gets pulled out wide because he has to be pulled out wide to sort of cover for the fullbacks. Um I guess that's like the second order effect of, of, of that happening. And, and then you're just going to have you know Firmino dropping into space and the midfield pouring forward and then things get very helter skelter very fast um which again like there are like I can see ways that Everton can survive that I'm just not sure that it's likely to happen
2: against Chelsea I mean you, you got lots of praise for the way in which you you stopped them playing by effectively neutralizing Jorginho um do, do you look at I mean uh, obviously without Henderson in the six I mean and also, we've changed shape a little bit in recent weeks. Um, that sort of lessens the the ability to do that to us. But do you think there's any sort of there'll be any temptation from Silver to to look at that midfield, look at how it's not been fully firing already, and think maybe we can sit somebody on. Whether it be Ginny if he is the deepest in, in a one and a two, um, uh, it's it's hard to know how exactly we'll line up. It could be four two three one as we've been doing in recent weeks. Um, do you think there'll be any temptation to try and replicate that somewhat?
0: So, I, I mean, I think first you hit on the problem there, right? Which is, which is, how, how do you set that up when you're not exactly sure what lineup you're going to be, you're going to be facing? Um, secondly, I hope they don't do that because, you know, guys are too flexible in, 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 in how you bring the ball forward in attack to make that effective. You know, if, if, if we were to sit Ghana on somebody, you'll just buy, that. not too terribly difficult given the rest of who Everton are. They're at their Best when, like Everton are the best when we are using our bodies forward to limit the way that we can be counterattacked, right? If if we're seeing an opposition back, so Ghana can key in on wherever the out ball is coming to, Everton look good. If if you have lots of options in terms of moving the ball forward against us, Everton's defense is in trouble. Um and. Against Chelsea, you sort of knew that no matter what the pattern of the game was, if Chelsea are going to move the ball forward, it's going to go through Jorginho. So you have the option of, of you can gamble really heavily on that. And I don't like I just that game plan to me doesn't work against Liverpool because Liverpool are too varied in what they can do to hurt you bringing the ball forward.
2: Mm. No, I'd agree actually. You, you, you've already sort of talked me out of that <laughs> to the best of. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, then I mean. Coming to predictions, then I guess I mean actually, to look at what you're expecting. I mean, comes at the end of a it's going to be a tough week anyway. Um, What would you be predicting score wise and even match
1: wise? That's hard. Um, It's it's at Anfield, and I think I think Liverpool, you know. don't sound like a dick, but we, we should be expecting a win. I think there. Um, Everton are betting in, and Marco Silva, even though you're doing a, a really good job there, uh, as as you know, implementing sort of something new and and people still uh, getting into the into the system versus Klopp has been there for a while and it has things bedded in. I, I think looking at that that whole equation, I think Liverpool should have enough to. Control the game and and sort of get the points. You know the problem is it's a derby, but the worst result I can sort of see if um, Liverpool play anything like like they could is is sort of a, a draw. But obviously we've got this PSG game tonight, so <laughs> it throws it into it. But what I'm going to do is the same thing I did for Watford, which is when it was looking really bad, I, I sent out a two 0 prediction. And uh, it finished. It finished a lot better than that. So if we do the exact same game and we look like it's stuttering along, especially after a very hard fought uh, PSG game, then uh, if, if we finish somewhere along there, I'll be pretty happy anyway. So I think it's going to be a similar sort of game where we we, we try and control them, we, we try and uh, keep everything sort of at uh, at arm's length, and try, and try and try and try until sort of something happens. And um, and yeah, I, I'm going to go for a 2 0 there. And how about you, Mike?
0: Yeah, you know my my head agree with that, right? The the, the sort of the analytical part of my brain, the one that, that, that does this for a living, says yeah that that that's about right. Like a two zero, Liverpool are a better team than Everton. Everton have to go to it. Like all of this stuff stacks up that way. Um, my hope is that we get a team that's flat, a little bit flat after a very difficult midweek game. Uh, we get the the struggles of the midfield that that continue to sort of evince themselves and again they just don't quite have the legs and the energy that they might otherwise that pickford stands on his head and makes a couple of point blank stops the time Salah gets free and that somehow everton fight this fight it out to a 1-1 draw um so that is what i'm going to talk myself into trying to believe and to go with uh in 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 the face of sort of the Very real and very effective logical arguments that it should end somewhat like 2-0 to Liverpool.
1: Mm. The dark be desert, no logic.
2: (laughs) 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 It's certainly going to be hyped up that way, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to go... What should I go? I'm going to go with, I think, a deceptive 3-1 where it's 2-1, it's quite uncomfortable. um, And then as we do... a late breakaway goal or something, um, just, just the way in which we've been playing. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, although that does have me um, sort of suggesting that we're going to concede a goal, which we don't tend to do at the, at the moment at Anfield, which is again, very unsettling and, and takes some time to get used to, to be honest, uh, even though it has been a while now. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it, I'm looking forward to a, a more competitive game, to be honest. I think really these games are always best when there is that competitive element to them. And over the past Few seasons, it hasn't seemed to be there, which is which has been a shame. I think the city needs a, a strong Liverpool, a strong Everton as well. So, um, I'm hoping for a competitive game, um, uh, one that maybe has uh, uh, Klopp and uh, Silver doing a, a version of Klopp and Sari after that Chelsea game. Although uh, I'm not yeah, sure I can t- I can take another last minute sort of stunner like that again. But uh, I, I'm not sure any any of the cushions in my lounge can take that either, to be honest. But um, anyway. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for having me preview uh, the Derby. It's certainly going to be an interesting game, I think, Um see how uh, both these managers approach um, a game against one another, uh, especially after you know, the midweek game as Cambridge in there against PSG tonight, which is going to be uh, a very uh, fascinating contest, I think. So um, before, we go, uh, before we go, I want to ask if either of you have anything to plug. Um, Mike, come to you first.
0: Sure, I've got a uh, managing editor at StatsBob.com where we do all sorts of fun stuff with with soccer analytics. We have you know lot, lots of smart stuff that breaks down the game, both both the Premier League and and mostly focused on Europe in general. Um, and then also there's my podcast, the Double Pivot Pod, uh, which is me and Michael Cayley, and it is uh, analytics. So those are, those are the two main things that I do. And then I you can also find my work elsewhere on the internet. Uh,
2: thanks for having me. This was great. No worries yeah be sure to have you again And Kay, a, 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 anything you have to to plug
1: i I think we should edit this so that I go first i don't I don't want to follow my good one in the <laughs> <section>. <laughs> uh, no th- thanks very much harry uh, I, I I have my own pod that I host Ra- don't Hate we record recorded after every uh every league game Liverpool plays where we uh, we have two AI writers, usually Tom and Adam who come on and rate the players and also AI pro subscribers get to rate them as well and we just compare them with media and doing it so um uh, not not this certainly I don't bring this much to that pod but uh, the, my panel certainly does do check us out it's uh, it's just an awful lot of fun and who knows what the liverpool fan fiction I'm going to read at the end this week is going to be so <laughs> get on and stay tuned for that <laughs>
2: I, I, I didn't know that had been started. I did not know that had been started, which is.
1: I started that last week. Yes, uh, right. Adam Lalana Henderson, and Virgil Van Dijk uh, were making eyes at each other.
2: Right. Okay. I, I, I don't even want to. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can see. I can see. I mean, I, I think Klopp's given you enough sort of gifts and memes this week, especially with his, his press conferences. So I'm sure you can include that into it, um, especially with that. Is it? Erotic yeah. narrator that he said, which is which is fantastic. Um, but anyway, I, I'd also be remiss if I, if I didn't tell everybody to go check out AI Pro and all the great work that's being done on there. Um, uh, we have our own sort of plenty of sort of deep diving into numbers and having a look at sort of the, the guys in the Under Pressure pod really uh, helping to uh, helping us to analyze just how we're ticking along this season. So be sure to check all that out, uh, Jan Mulby. Uh, Kenny Dalglish, sir Kenny Dalglish. Of course, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a great time to check that out. So be, be sure to subscribe. But thanks so much, uh, guys, for listening, and we'll be back next week again to talk about this game and uh, preview uh, the upcoming game against Burnley. So thanks very much for listening. Sports Social
0: Podcast Network.